Christ my Savior and my God. Be seated, please. God, our Savior, the mighty King, the Lord, the Creator of all the nations, we praise His holy and divine name, and we thank Him for His goodness and for His mercy and for His grace and for His love. It's good to see each of you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. Let's praise our God and let's go to Him in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for all that you've done. We praise your holy and divine name and thank you for everything as we attempt in our own minds to individualize all the blessings that you granted unto us. And we realize, Lord God, that we cannot count the blessings as we cannot count the stars in the sky. Thank you, Lord God, for Jesus, your great son, who died on that cruel cross of Calvary that we might be saved, that we might be able to worship you this day in spirit and in truth. Please guide us in all things. Help our minds to be free from worldly thought, that we might focus only on you, that we might strive, Lord God, with the gift of grace that you've given to us to focus this morning to worship you in spirit and in truth. These things we pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, to be thy will. Amen. It is good to see our visitors. We'd like for you to know that you certainly are our honored guest. We thank you for your presence today. We're going to wrap up our lesson today on the Tower of Babel. Uh, We're going to wrap it up with a question. What if? We're going to look at all the mistakes. We've looked at the negative parts of the Tower of Babel and the building. But let's reverse that now as a church. And ask the question, what if we took those negative actions and turn those into positive what if instead of building a tower to be destroyed by god that we're able to worship and glorify the living god in a way that's pleasing and acceptable in his sight what if instead of god being displeased with our work that god rather is pleased with our works what if church We did the will of God, having the same resolve, but in a scriptural way. What if our focus, please turn to John 17, was on our united God-given purpose? They had a purpose, but it wasn't a God-given purpose. But what if we, with a united God-given purpose, strived to please our God? Jesus prayed for this. In John 17, beginning at verse 17, Sanctify them in the truth, thy word is truth. And thou didst send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, 
that they may be one just as we are one. Unity in spirit and fellowship and love. One. What if we were united? We had unity in our communication. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Is it possible for church members, for Christians to come together and discuss, communicate about things regarding doctrine and life without fighting or dividing over them? Yeah, God says so. God wants us to all be united and speak in the same way. Now I exhort you, verse 10, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and there be no division among you, but you may complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Turn to First Peter chapter 3. God wants unity. God expects unity. God commands unity. Can we do that? Of course. They were united against God. What happens if we're united in the will of God? What if? First Peter chapter 3 beginning at verse 8. To sum up, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For let him who means to love life and to see good days refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking God. And let him turn away from evil and do good and let him seek peace and pursue it. In order for us to be united, we have a responsibility to seek peace and pursue it. To strive to the best of our ability to bring peace even in the midst of diversity. Unity in our direction. They were all going in the same direction. They were going east to Shinar. Brethren, our, our goal this year, the desire this year, is that we all move into the same direction in unity, in fellowship, and in evangelism. Starting with unity amongst ourselves. And then growing in our fellowship and then growing outward into the community to help them to understand the laws of Christ to be saved. Turn to Matthew chapter 25, please. But in order for that to happen, we must be united in our vision. A unity in vision. Everyone in this, the Tower of Babel, they knew how to do and what to do as far as their parts were concerned. Brethren, we know how to do it. We know what to do. We just have to go and put it into practice. We just have to do what we know we ought to do. Let's really work hard, first of all, at getting to know one another. Let's really work hard at strengthening each other. And let us envision the church of tomorrow today. Right now and right here, we must be willing and ready to utilize our God-given talents. All of us have talents. God has given them to us. We've got to use them in a way that brings glory and honor to his name. In Matthew 25 and verse 21, the text says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. You know, we say that often. We say, you know, I, I just want the Lord to say, 
Well done, ye good and faithful servant. You know, that means you have to do something, right? You have to do something for God to say, well done. Verse 23, the next talent man, the Bible says, His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things into the joy of your master. I want you to think about something for just a moment. God needs us to do his work, to do his bidding. And God asks us to be faithful. And then as we are faithful to God, as God counts it or reckons it unto us as righteousness and faithfulness, he says, now that you've done this and you've done well, I have more for you to do. Are you willing, ready, and able to step up to the plate to allow God to use you and then to say to you, well done, ye good and faithful servant. You've done well with a few things. Now I have a few more things for you to do. What things? Matthew 25, verse 35. Remember the account of judgment? Jesus says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison and came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when do we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? In other words, God, when did we actually do work for you? And Jesus will reply, the text says the king a reply, the king answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it, to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. In order, brethren, for us to have the type of fellowship that God wants us to have and unity that God wants us to have, it starts right here. It starts with us. And it's something that we must pursue after It's something that we must seek after, a peace in a relationship, in a relationship with God. How much work, Lord, do you need for me to do? That's not the right question. The question is, Lord, how may I be of service? More Bible studies, more fellowship, more evangelism, more elders, more deacons. God's work. God is calling us to work more servants of the Lord. I want to go back to John chapter 17 and look at the prayer of Jesus again and finish where we left off. So in the Tower of Babel, they had this huge imagination, right? We're going to build a tower and it's going to reach the heavens. You've got to have a pretty large imagination for that thought, right? That's a really big structure. But they saw the big picture. And that's important. How can we work together to impact, to affect our city, to affect our community? Well, we have to see the big picture. The big picture is heaven. Keeping our eyes on the prize of the glorious gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In this prayer, listen to what Jesus says in verse 20. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone. 
but for those who believe in me through their word. I'm not just praying for the apostles and for the disciples of the first century. Jesus says, I'm praying for you too. Thank you, God. And, and then he goes on to say in verse 20, 21 that you, church, that we, that we may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me, that we, church, might be one, united in fellowship, united in evangelism, united in our relationships with each other. And then in verse 22, And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. Glory? Yeah, the church glorifies God. We do it through unity. I in them, verse 23, And thou in me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that thou didst send me, and didst love them even as thou didst love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am in order that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou dost love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known thee, yet I have known thee, and these have known that thou didst send me, and I have made thy name known to them, and will make it known. The love wherewith thou didst love me may be in them, and I in them. The big picture. Keeping your minds on the big picture. John 14, Jesus says in verse 4, he says, And you know where the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The big picture. Heaven. Keeping our minds on the big... You know what it does? When, when you think about the big picture, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. When your mind is focused on the big picture, trivial things just, they just don't matter. They just... There's so many petty things that, that we fight over, Right? As, as, you know, husbands and wives and, and children and grand, you know, just life in the world. We, we fight over the petty things. When you look at the big picture and you keep your mind on the big picture, those petty things become meaningless. It's not really important. And you know what's funny? When I, as a minister, I, I stand oftentimes at people's deathbed and, and they begin to say things like, you know, all the stuff that I used to think about and strive after and all. They start, you know, going over life and they go, you know what? It was meaningless. And here I am right now about to stand before my God. The petty things. Got to get rid of the petty stuff in our minds. Unity. We have to be determined. We have to be stubborn. Someone said, we got that one under control. And we have to be single-minded. We have to be like Jesus. See, Jesus was determined. Jesus was stubborn. Jesus was single-minded. Jesus stayed away from sin. First Corinthians 2, I said 1, chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 2. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony 
of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What if that's all I thought about? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Everything in my life, turn to Philippians please, uh, chapter 3. Everything in my life, I'm thinking about, every day of my life, I'm thinking about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. My focus is on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When I find that there's not unity in my home or in my mind, I'm thinking about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The petty things go away. Well, they climbed that tower going up and down. They built that city and they worked hard at it. They worked together. They believed something. They believed that it could be done. How many of you believe by the grace of God, believe in the God-given talents that God has given to you? You've got to believe in yourself. Believe in yourself as God has, has given you the gift. To believe that God will not leave us nor forsake us. To believe and to know that God will take us to that next level, whatever it might be. If we'll do it in unity and do it for the Lord, both individually and collectively, you have to believe. But in order to be stubborn and single-minded for Christ, you have to know how to count. And that's important. And you look at Philippians chapter 3, we're going to learn how to count. Verse 7, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be Loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. In order to be stubborn for Christ and to be single-minded, you have to know how to count. You have to be able to count this world and all that's in it as rubbish. It's all going to burn up. It's all going to burn up one day. And all that I've striven after, and all that I've done, and all those things that I can imagine and think of, it's all going away one day. You have to know how to count. Count it as loss for the sake of Christ. For then we gain. And he goes on to speak on this idea of counting in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained it, or I've already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that which... Also, I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. You have to know how to count. And that's what the early church did in Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. They were willing to work together in their service for the Lord. So, you think about the Tower of Babel. Well, what did they do? Well, they worked together. They gave up a great contribution. What did it take to make that city? What, what kind of resources do you think it took to, to make a city and then to make a tower, to build a tower that's going to reach into heaven? How, what kind of resources do you think it took? Christianity is not a one-man show. It's a united effort. It takes all of us to do the work of God, to give of ourselves, to give of our means. They shared their resources. And the early church did that. They shared their resources for the common good. 
Part of it in preparation of what is to come and part of it of what actually was in front of them. In verse 32 of Acts chapter 4, the Bible says the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul and not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. See, this beautiful text is right in the early stages of their Christianity, their relationships together. And they realized and thought about the coming of Christ. And they were wondering, when is Jesus Christ going to come? Is he coming tomorrow? Turn to Luke chapter 9. Is he coming, is he coming next, next week? Whenever he comes, we want to be ready. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to come together. We're going to put our things together, our resources together, because we don't need any of that stuff anyway, because Jesus Christ is coming soon. Church, I think we've forgotten that point. See, they were united because they believed the same thing. Have we forgotten that Jesus Christ is coming one day? Maybe in our lifetime. Maybe in our lifetime. And maybe not. But regardless of whether Christ comes, our death is coming. But one day we're going to meet our God. The question is, are you ready to meet your maker? Great question. In Luke chapter 9, in the verses uh, 25, the Bible says, For what is a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? He forfeits his soul for what? For the meaningless? They were building a tower. And they were coming together. Turn to Malachi chapter 3. And as they built this tower, and as they came together, they were doing this all with the wrong motives in mind. They were doing this against the will of God. And God said, because they're united, nothing's impossible for them. Brethren, we need to be united in everything, contributing of ourselves, even financially, right? Malachi 3 and verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Look, they weren't struggling with that at the Tower of Babel. They weren't struggling with how are we going to get the resources to make this happen. They all brought it together. They had a united purpose. Unity. God loves a cheerful giver. Second Corinthians 9 and verse 7. So what if we gave not only of our, of our finances, what if we gave ourselves to the Lord? Just give it all to God. Say, Lord, use me as, as your vessel, a vessel of honor, right? Verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this idea of, of eulogia, the, the thought of, of, of what we're doing here, eulogizing the idea of God and Jesus. Verse 7, let each one of you do as he is purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What if our purpose... What if our purpose, not only in giving, but it was giving ourselves to God. God, use me. Use my hands, use my feet, use my mind, use me in the way that you see fit. 
for the benefit and the blessing of the Lord's church. Second Timothy chapter chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four. It takes insight. They they not only began a job, they knew how to finish that job. They had a winner's attitude and they kept they kept their minds, if you will, looking towards the future. Right? They were living in the presence and they knew where they were trying to get to. And so they kept working toward their future goal of making this tower to heaven. And again, how, how much, you know, you think about how much work and how much effort, how far did they get? We don't really know that, but we do know enough to get God's attention. And God came down and stopped the work. Brother, we want God's attention. Right? We want God's attention. We want God's attention in the right way, where God comes down and encourages the work and blesses the work and grows the work. And then we can be like Paul in verse 5. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Not that I've attained it yet, brother, but I'm reaching and striving for the prize. Of the upward call of God. And Paul says, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. Brethren, are we even fighting? I fought the good fight. I'm fighting against sin. I'm fighting against my own selfishness, my own selfish desires. I'm fighting to please God and do the will of God. I want to be a vessel of God. For his use and for his benefit. We're going to close in Hebrews chapter 10. They were not perfect. We can look back at the text and see that these people were not perfect at all. In fact, they were living their lives contrary to the will of God. We know we're not perfect. But with the blessing of God, here's what we know we can do. They lacked reliability and dependability. They were not dependable. But we can be, we can be dependable and we can be reliable. In other words, here's what we can do. We can resolve in our hearts, in our minds, we can say, church, elders, deacons, preacher, church, you can count on me. If it's God's will, you can count on me. I'll be there. I will be there to strengthen you. We'll be there to strengthen each other. I I will be there. You can count on me to encourage you. God, you can count on me to be where you want me to be. Church, what if we said that as our resolve? To say that each member can count on each other. That I'll be there to encourage you because I don't know what your life was like yesterday. Or last week. I don't know what you went through. I don't know what you're going through necessarily. But you can count on me to be there 
to encourage you, to pray for you, to strengthen you. You see, that's what Hebrews 10 is all about. It's all about in the midst of a persecution and the idea of the church that were there for each other. And jumping down to verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So God sets up the precedent. We've got to put all of our faith and confidence in God. Right? And we have to believe God is faithful. God's going to take care of us. God's going to watch over us. God's going to protect us. God's going to bless us. As he's already given us all the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. But now we've got to do something. Instead of holding all those blessings in that God has already given to us. And instead of holding inside of us all the encouragement that God has given to us, now it's time to share. We've got to share it with each other. We have to share the blessings of God with each other. There's nothing like seeing a smiling face. There's nothing like the greeting the Bible commands to fellowship one with another, to shake hands, to hug, to say, I love you, I'm glad you're here, I'm encouraged by your presence. You can't hold it in. God wants us to release the love that he has instilled within us. Verse 24. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Church, you can't do that if you're not here. Right? See? And so today is a day. Here's an opportunity that we have. Before we leave the doors. To stimulate one another to love and good deeds. To say, brother... Sister, I'm so glad you're here. We gotta go back out there and we gotta fight against the devil another, another few hours and we get to come back. And then we have to go back out there and fight the devil. And we're not coming back until Wednesday. We have to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Lord willing, I'll see you on Wednesday. And we'll encourage each other and we'll stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And then we'll go back out and we'll fight Satan a little bit more and we'll assemble here again. You see, this is what God wants us to do. Encourage each other. Encourage each other. Unity, fellowship, and evangelism. What a great direction. Church together, with the help of God, this is what we will do. This morning, if you are not a child of God, we invite you to surrender to God in the waters of baptism. Having heard His word and believed it, and you have godly sorrow in your heart, repentance, and you're willing to make His confession that you believe Jesus is Lord, the Christ, the Son of the living God, be baptized immersed in water for the remission of your sins. This morning, you can join this great united family of God. If you're struggling in your faith or you just would like prayers, whatever they may be, made known. Prayers of the saints, prayers of the elders. Please make it known if we can help in any way while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come?